0: APU. American Public University is proud to present Online Teaching Lounge. This is episode number 42, Confidence and Connection. This podcast is for educators, academics, and parents who know that online teaching can be challenging, but it can also be rewarding, engaging, and fun. Welcome to the Online Teaching Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Bethany Hansen, and I'll be your guide for online teaching tips, topics, and strategies. Walk with me into the Online Teaching Lounge. Welcome to the podcast, and thank you for joining me today to talk about confidence and connection. The main topic we're going to discuss today has to do with the way we show up in the online classroom and generally throughout our career. There are a lot of times where various motives drive us to do what we do. Sometimes it's unclear whether we're having the kind of impact we'd like to have. But what if we unpack that? How can we discover what kind of impact we really are having? And how can we have a more powerful impact in those areas we care most about? Today we will uncover what drives us, how to have the impact we'd like to have, and also how to feel confident about what we're doing. We're going to do that through connecting with our students and with other people in our profession. I'm excited to share this with you, and let's dive in. We all show up in the online classroom in distinct ways. Our students can tell what kind of personalities we have by the way we write things, the words we choose to use, whether or not we use highlighting, emojis, or lengthy explanations. In fact, these behaviors that we show up with, that really help our students get to know us they come from the motives that drive us chances are you have as an educator one dominant perspective that drives your teaching and it's one of these five transmission apprenticeship development nurturing or social reform every one of us comes with a primary orientation to the way we teach and what we are teaching as well as a secondary backup strategy. So there might be two of these working together in your world, and I'm going to share with you what these are. As I describe them, see if you can find your own teaching motivation within these five strategies and orientations. The first one is transmission. According to the Teaching Perspectives Inventory, the transmission type of teaching is that effective teaching requires a substantial commitment to the content or subject matter. If this is your primary mode for teaching, you might believe that good teaching means having mastery of the subject matter or content. The teacher's primary responsibilities are to represent the content accurately and efficiently. The learner's responsibilities are to learn that content in its authorized or legitimate forms. If you're a transmission type of teacher, you might believe that good teachers take learners systematically through tasks leading to content mastery. This would mean providing clear objectives, adjusting the pace of lecturing, making efficient use of class time, clarifying misunderstandings, answering questions, providing timely feedback, correcting errors, providing reviews, and summarizing what has been presented. You're going to set high standards for achievement and develop objective means of assessing the learning so you can know that students have actually gained what they needed to gain. You might believe that good teachers are enthusiastic about the content and they convey that through their tone to their students. For many learners, good transmission type of teachers are memorable presenters of the content itself. Perhaps you can think back to a time where you might've had a teacher who was very transmission oriented. This is a very common way to be and a very traditional way of thinking about teaching specific subjects. The second orientation is apprenticeship. If this is your type of teaching, you might believe that effective teaching requires that learners perform authentic tasks within their zone of development. If you believe this, good teachers in this area are highly skilled practitioners of what they teach. Whether in the classroom or at a work site or in a performance venue, they are recognized for their expertise. If you're an apprenticeship style instructor, You believe that teachers have to reveal the inner workings of skilled performance in that subject area and translate it into some kind of accessible way or language and an ordered set of tasks, which usually proceeds from simple to complex. This allows for different ways of entering the subject matter depending on the learner's capability. If you're an apprenticeship type of teacher, you might believe that good teachers know what their learners can do on their own and where they need guidance and direction. This type of teacher engages learners within their zone of development and suits it accordingly. And then as the learners are maturing and becoming more competent, the teacher's role changes. They don't have to give as much direction. They give more responsibility as students progress from dependent learners to independent workers. And I'll have to tell you that a lot of music teachers might fit into this apprenticeship category. Seems a very helpful way to help people learn a musical instrument in particular, So just a thought there that might add to understanding on the apprenticeship scale. A third type of motivation in your teaching could be developmental. If you're this type of instructor, you might believe that effective teaching must be planned and conducted from the learner's point of view. Good developmental teachers must understand how their learners think and how they reason about the content itself. The main goal here in this type of teaching is to help your learners get increasingly complex and sophisticated mental thinking about the content. The key to changing those structures in the mental strata where we're learning things lies in combining two specific skills. First of all, it would involve effective questioning that challenges learners to move from simple to complex forms of thinking. And secondly, it would involve bridging knowledge which provides examples that somehow are meaningful to the learners themselves. Now, a lot of strategies that fit the developmental type of teaching would include questions, problems, cases, and examples that form bridges teachers can use to transport the learner from simple thinking to more complex and sophisticated forms of reasoning. This is going to involve adapting the knowledge, adapting the strategy, and bringing learners along with you. The next one is called nurturing, and if you're a nurturing type of teacher, you might be thinking that effective teaching assumes that long-term, hard, persistent effort to achieve comes from the heart, not the head. A nurturing type of instructor believes that people become motivated and productive learners when they are working on issues or problems without the fear of failure. Learners are nurtured when they know that. So first... They can succeed at learning if they give it a good try. That's a belief in this type of teaching. Second, the achievement of the learner is gonna be a product of their own effort and their own ability rather than the kindness or benevolence of the teacher. And lastly, the learning the student achieves, the efforts will be supported by both teachers and peers. Now, if you're a nurturing type of educator, you might believe that good teachers care about their students and understand that some have histories of failure, and this has lowered their self-confidence. You don't make excuses for your learners, but you do encourage their efforts while challenging students to do their very best by promoting a climate that's full of caring, trust, helpful people, and challenging but achievable goals. So a good teacher in the nurturing mindset is going to provide encouragement and support as well as clear expectations, very reasonable goals for everyone, and also promoting self esteem and self efficacy along the way. Lastly, we have the area of social reform. If you're a social reform oriented educator, from this point of view, the object of teaching really is the collective group rather than every individual. A good teacher in the social reform category would awaken their students to values, ideologies that are embedded in texts, common practices in the discipline that might be biased. Good teachers under the social reform category challenge the status quo. And this type of teacher encourages students to consider how learners are positioned and constructed in particular practices and discourses to do this. A social reform type of educator analyzes and deconstructs the common practice, looking for ways that these might perpetuate unacceptable conditions. The discussion might be focused less on the creation of knowledge and more on who created the knowledge and why they did it. The text is going to be interrogated for what was said, what is not said, what bias might exist, what's hidden, what meaning is coming out, what's included, what's excluded who is represented, and who is left out from the dominant discourse. Your students would be encouraged to take a critical stance, giving them some power to take social action to improve their own lives and the lives of other people. This is going to be about critical deconstruction through the central view, and it's not necessarily the end in itself. So there are these five motivations for teaching. And as I mentioned before, chances are, you're highly motivated in one area, or at least your beliefs about education and about what you do in teaching are coming from one of these areas, and then you might have intentions and actions in these areas that do or don't line up with what you actually believe. Sometimes we intend to do a lot more than actually comes across, so it's difficult to know what kind of impact we're actually having as educators. So, In summary, the motives that drive us in educating and especially in educating online can be found in the Teaching Perspectives Inventory. Please feel free to check the links to this podcast in the notes and also check it out. See where you line up in terms of your beliefs, your intentions, and your actions. And this will help you become a lot more aware of where you fit in terms of what's driving you as an educator. Now, how can you discover the actual impact you're having? The first is to think about perspectives. There are three areas of perspective. One is your own perspective of yourself, your efforts, and what you're doing in the classroom. You can learn about your own perspective by simply observing what you're doing, thinking about whether you believe it's having an impact. From this first-person point of view, You are definitely getting your viewpoint, your perspective of your impact. Now, what if you were to take this outside yourself to the more objective zone of a third party, so not the student and not you as the instructor? If you were to have someone enter your classroom, the online classroom, to walk around virtually, Click through things and see what kind of things you say to the students, what kind of feedback you give, what kind of discussions are happening, and what kind of activities generally are taking place, what might be the impression of that neutral observer? What would the objective person say about the impact of what you're doing as an educator? If you were to go through your own online class with this question in mind of what a neutral observer might notice or say about your teaching. Taking that viewpoint alone, even yourself, and wondering what would someone think, that's going to give you a lot of insight all by itself. You're going to start to notice things differently because you are stepping back a little bit from your own thoughts, feelings, and motivations about your teaching. And it's going to give you a lot more observation and a lot more power to that observation to just step back one level. And then, of course, there's the second person point of view, the student, If you were able to take on their perspective, where they're coming from, what they're trying to achieve by being in your class, and what challenges they might be facing in taking your class, this second-person point of view is going to give you even more data about your impact and help you to know what kind of impact you're having, whether it's effective, and how the students are accepting or getting something from what you're doing in your educational endeavors. Of course, you can learn a lot more about your impact and gain confidence as an educator if you also start to observe what are the students doing in their work? Are they diving in more? Are they participating more than is expected in a discussion? Are they asking questions? Do they reach out to you when you send out an announcement with some question or asking a follow-up? What are they looking for from you? And if you're getting a lot of good communication and engagement in the subject matter, this is evidence about the kind of impact you're having. You can observe the student's behavior, and then you can also ask them specifically. A lot of institutions send out early surveys after the first week of the class. Some send them out mid-course, and some send them out at the end. Maybe your institution does all of these or none of these. You can, of course, create your own survey and send it to your students to ask them how it's going, what they're excited about in the class, what's working for them, and what's not working for them. You might be surprised, but your students will be very forthcoming in sharing with you what's working for them, as well as where they need a lot more support or have ideas about how it could be better. If you're willing to ask those questions, you're going to get a lot of feedback about your impact. And this will give you more confidence in your teaching by connecting with your students more authentically. And then, of course, there is the end of course survey. If you ask your students or if your institution asks your students about their experience when the course is totally over, their grades have been filed, and they're not concerned about the impression they give you, you're going to get a lot of honest answers about the experience. Students will let you know, would they come back to another class that you're teaching? Would they recommend you to other people? Would they recommend your course to other people? Some students don't know the difference between the content of the course and the quality of the teacher. Sometimes that's a little blurry. And so when you get end of course survey information, you'll wanna remember that, that sometimes those things blur together for the student's perspective. But as you look at end of course comments and ratings that students might give you, you can understand your impact a little bit better. And this will help you also connect better with your students in understanding what they're thinking and what experience they've just had with you. Now, we've talked about what motivates or drives us as educators. And in our online work, this is important to know. Many folks really detach from the purpose of their teaching when they go online because we're not seeing people face to face anymore. Even if you do live online sessions, there's still one step removed because we're in front of a camera instead of in front of those live humans. So as you're looking at what motivates you, look through your teaching and you'll notice, are you acting on what motivates you? Does it actually convey your philosophy? Does it lead people in the way that you care most about? And then take some steps to discover your impact, by trying on different perspectives, whether it's first person, your own observations, third person, like what an objective observer might notice, or second person asking your students directly or taking on their perspective and projecting what you believe they might say. And then lastly, look at having the impact you want to have by actually getting real information, asking those tough questions and talking to your students. The more you talk to the individuals you're teaching, the more you get their real feedback and you start to create a feedback loop to let you know if what you're doing is landing well and having that impact you want to have, the more confidence you will gain. You never have to plan your lessons for an imaginary audience when you start talking to the real audience who is actually being taught. The more you do this, the more confidence will increase, the more you'll connect with others and you'll feel a part of the teaching profession as well. This is gonna bring you a lot of satisfaction as you start focusing on what those students are actually experiencing and getting the feedback from them about your teaching. And then bringing this full circle, all of this is going to add up to how you show up in the online classroom and throughout your career. As you increase confidence and you get a lot more feedback and you make the adaptations you feel you want to make, the more you're going to have a vision of where you want to go with this, where you'd like to take certain strategies, and what more you might want to do in teaching particular subjects or in different lesson and assignment approaches. Well, That's it for today. I thank you for being here to cover the five perspectives of the teaching perspectives inventory in terms of what motivates us to teach and also to think about connecting more fully with the learners that we're impacting to learn about our impact and gain greater confidence. I wish you all the best in your online teaching this week. And thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Bethany Hanson, your host for the Online Teaching Lounge podcast. To share comments and requests for future episodes, please visit bethanyhansoncom forward slash request. Best wishes this coming week in your online teaching journey. For more information about our university, visit us at study at apu.com. APU. American Public University.